There it is. We're live. We're back. It's a beautiful week. Welcome, everybody. We're going to kick this week off by deciding, figuring out whether or not polyamory is even right for us. Ooh, this should be interesting. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to this beautiful Monday. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, you already know that we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, three opportunities every single week for you to ask questions. So if you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs, let me know, or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Polyay. Set up that little bell so that you know when we're going live because sometimes we go early like today. Let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, as a reminder, when we're uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. None of us are perfect. We are here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves. The more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com, sign up for the last few spots of the season to share your imperfect story too. All right, everybody, that's my spiel. Let's introduce today's awesome guest. As someone who grew up in a family that struggled with mental health and depression, today's guest was always drawn to going deep with people, giving them the opportunity to be seen and heard. Her own journey through the psyche began as a way of healing herself and her family, and through her healing, she was inspired to share the possibility of change, undoing past wounds, and dismantling sabotaging patterns with others. For more than 15 years, our guest has been committed to working with clients to identify their internal limitations, master their own empowerment, and fulfill, the, fulfill their life's purpose, all while connecting all aspects of your life experience, your body, your mind, and your spirit. Today's guest is a compelling sex-positive psychotherapist who was awarded the San Francisco Bay Guardian's Best Therapist in the Bay in 2017. She's also a playful mother of two, founder of a national circus performance company, and passionate director of a flourishing dance theater group in the San Francisco area. So, is polyamory a limitation for you or your partner? Tune in today while we discuss signs that may help you discover if polyamory is right for you. Joining us today out of the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area, Northern California, welcome to the show, Maya Lane. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Yeah! Right. We're rocking, we're rolling, we're dancing. My I love it. <laughs> I didn't like that. Yeah, you know, I like I like energy. I I'm I very energetic myself. Awesome. So you know, uh, I think that when we when I get into these conversations, I want to get to it from yeah. a positive, you know, stance. Yeah. So uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. I really mm -hmm. appreciate you taking the time. Um, I want to get something off the table first and foremost. My very first question to you is: I just want to make sure you're not anti-polyamory right like you're you're right. you you you're, you're good with polyamory as a mm -hmm. viable healthy lifestyle that people choose yes absolutely cool. yeah 
Yeah, ahead. I can I can say more about that. Please, um, please. Absolutely. Yeah, I I um, have been part of the community for almost twenty years. Um, I myself was uh, in an open marriage for about a decade with mm -hmm. kids, and mm -hmm. I do work with a lot of um, couples who are navigating this. I think that you know the the beauty of polyamory and the rewards that it can offer, you know, are plenty, you know, a lot of um, self growth, self courage, um, you know, autonomy, you know, really getting an option away from cheating and lying and divorce mm -hmm, and just mm -hmm. giving such a spectrum of what's possible. And also just the exciting especially in the bay area you know community the excitement of forging new ways of being in relationship that are not just according to what mom and dad did but this right. whole sense of creativity and um you know being true to yourself and connection and the celebration of connection and so there's so much that i love about polyamory and i'm definitely a very um, kind of sex positive, relationship positive, mm -hmm. poly positive therapist, definitely. So good, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to get that out of the way because you know when we approach a topic, when we have a topic that says yeah. how to know if polyamory is right, you know if it's right for you, I just want to make sure that we're doing it from from an accepting yeah. standpoint and not Absolutely. you know someone who's like no nobody should be polyamorous this is dumb you know etc. So that was the first thing that I wanted and. Uh, beyond that, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey. Uh, you mentioned you were in a polyamorous or uh, open marriage yourself for about a decade, uh, and somehow you've discovered that sometimes it's not right for everybody. Is that is, is mm -hmm. that where we're getting at today? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, yeah, and again, complete positive um, approach towards all of this because I think that everybody's story is different. Um, so my a little bit about me, um, you know, I kind of came from a family that was revolutionaries and artists and, you know, being Israeli American and, you know, communities that were always transgressive and I've been a performing artist my whole life and in the drag community and the performance community, the burner community. So I, you know, I've been involved in these worlds for many, many years. I was always interested in breaking paradigms and Hmm. questioning all of that. And um, when I met my husband, who we, we've been together for 20 years, his name's Aaron. Um, it's kind of funny. When I met him, I was dating like four different people. I was new to the whole, you know, Bay Area scene and I was really into it. And, you know, and, and we met and we always had this curiosity around what does this look like? And, you know, we, we started the adventure with a lot of, you know, curiosity and excitement. We definitely stumbled into it, not really knowing, you know, a lot about what we were doing and how to do it well. Um, you know, I would say at first we were just so um, expansive and excited about, you know, what's possible and the turn on, you know, the, mm -hmm. some of the best sex we've had ever, you know, just with a compersion right. and um, feeling free and, had like a run of a while, a few years where we were just, you know, I was even, I even wrote an article about, <laughs> you know, the wonders of, you know, polyamory and open relationships and how great it could be for, you know, a relationship. And, um, and, and it, it's interesting, you know, what I noticed also is that 
as we were shifting in our relationship and as I was shifting in who I was and also my, you know, maturing, um, you know, various things happening with my, my sense of self and my body and, you know, being a mother, our children getting older, things happening for him. There was just a lot of different things that started to, to develop and started to make it more challenging, you know, to be in this kind of dynamic with other mm -hmm. people involved. And then I, I started kind of looking at it also from the perspective of some of the clients I was, I was, you know, working with and kind of seeing certain dynamics with them. And, you know, some things that I noticed, you know, started to actually hinder our relationship as opposed to like enhance, mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing that you know, we kind of, notice sometimes in, in kind of therapeutic settings is um, a term that's called splitting, which is, you know, kind of like a polarization where like one person's good and the other person's bad. There's a lot of comparing one or the other. Now, of course, in the ideal realm of, you know, of poly, there's a compersion, there isn't one or the other, the hierarchy, you know, it's, it, it, it's very different for each person, but I started noticing that, what was that? The ideal. So that's the ideal. That's the ideal. Not always right. true, but yeah. Not always true. Um, but then I started noticing how that was kind of happening and we would take turns, right? Either, you know, the other person was everything and, you know, I was pushing away from my husband or vice versa, or hmm. the metamors or the partners were, you know, just kind of like, you know, secondary. And then we were, you know, kind of hierarchically deciding certain things and we were kind of hurting people. Mm -hmm. So there was just a lot, a lot of this polarization that started feeling a little messy. And we just kind of noticed how without self-awareness around that, um, that could hurt a lot of people and it yeah. could also hurt the relationship. So that was one thing. And the other thing that I noticed was, you know, for me, a lot of unresolved attachment stuff that was coming up, right, a, 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 around um, security, what does security really look like? And um, I know that right now we're in a really beautiful time of, you know, Jessica Fern's book, you know, Polysecure, yep. we're really kind of talking about like, how can we do this well, where we're really aware of security and poly relationships. So I'm so grateful for that. But it, it was a topic that wasn't really talked about, you know, like this, this whole sense of like how this could really start to kind of trigger past attachment mm -hmm. wounds. Um, so again, not not to say that this community is not talking about this, but I think for us, because we weren't really doing the work to really understand that, it started becoming a bit more um, challenging and I would say even kind of destructive around the, the security, the health. Um, there was some past trauma that was starting to get played out. So there, So basically what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it, 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 I believe it really does require for people to have, you know, someone to work with, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like a, have a therapist uh, to have, you know, guides to really have like this self-knowledge and not self-knowledge only from kind of the bypassy ideal, but really self-knowledge in, into the shadow, right? Into like the, the crevices that are really challenging, in order to do this well, because when it's done well, I mean, it really truly is about how do you stand firm in yourself despite what other people are doing, which mm -hmm. is so empowering. And I was able to do that at times and others I wasn't. So so those were some, some things that were, you know, kind of standing out. The other thing that I noticed was like congruency 
was challenging, right? To have like both people feeling good about it at the same time. And that requires both people having people that they really enjoy <laughs> right. connecting with at the same time, which is not always something that can happen. And I've noticed mm -hmm. that also with clients, right? One person's like super excited and has all these different partners mm -hmm. and is like going off and the other person is struggling, right? Not right. not meeting the right people, not feeling good about this. So that's that's also a really interesting place. You know, what do you do there? You know, do you say like, well, tough, I'm really happy. Do you sacrifice, do you shift? So we kind of had to, to do a lot of dancing around that, you know, which was not always easy because you're kind of asking for someone to either pull away or, you know, you're affecting other people involved. So, so there's just a lot of different things. So basically in a nutshell, what I noticed was like the initial, the initial excitement for the first few years is absolutely there, but then it's really interesting to see how it kind of like transpires over time. And then it makes sense that sometimes, you know, you kind of go back to, huh, is this the best thing for us? Yeah. And it's okay to like shift gears a little bit, not necessarily completely eradicate it. Cause I think mm -hmm. he and I are both still curious about who knows in the future, but just kind of like intentionally taking uh, making a choice, like right now, what feels right is to choose this kind of choosing one another and kind of sacrificing certain things you know, as, as an option too. So. I like it. I like it. There's so much there. Uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm like, Holy crap. We only have 30 minutes. I How know. are we going to pack all of this? <laughs> this is insane. Uh, there's yeah. so much, there's so much. I mean, uh, some of the things that I was writing down as you were talking was how it can be challenging when there are other people involved. And we started mentioning, uh, the hierarchy. Then you use that word shadow, which, uh, mm. I love, um, I don't know if you follow uh, Jessica Levity over at Remodeled, uh, no, Re no. at Remodeled Love on uh, Instagram. She's awesome, uh, very, very funny and charming and uh, smart as a whip, too. Um, but she's doing a lot of work on this shadow, uh, the shadow yeah. work. And I feel like the things, some of the things that you were talking about, the hierarchy, the imbalance of dates and relationships, if right. one person is feeling insecure because they don't have... Uh, the same number of dates or they don't have as good of a relationship, you know, separate from, from, I guess that, that inherent main one um, that that's all shadow work. So I want to, I, I want to ask you about how your education and your work in psychotherapy uh, affected your relationship. I, I assume that, you know, you were, you were open during at least a part of it. Uh, mm -hmm. and you were learning all kinds of new things. You, you had, you had gotten the education and you started working with clients who, uh, presumably were also polyamorous. And I've said this before where it's difficult or nearly impossible really to separate yourself completely from your work. So the things that you experience at home mm -hmm. in your own personal life, you bring to work. And then the things that you learn from your clients, you bring back home into your personal life. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that and some of the things that you were learning and going through uh, that kind of, it sounds like, uh, encouraged you or inspired you to take a step back from polyamory for yourself mm -hmm. and just say, you know what, maybe this isn't the right thing for us right now. What are some of those things that you learned? 
Yeah, right. Like we said, this this could go on for hours. There's so yeah. much there. <laughs> um, well, I mean, this is going to kind of sound, um, I would say, challenging to to you know the support of polyamory. But what one thing that I learned, and I kind of saw this with um, with couples, which is you know interesting, was that sometimes it was more difficult to really say no and ask for what you wanted. And there's a lot of shadow in that. Like for me, for instance, it was hard for me to say, this is hurting me and I want you to just focus on me and this is what I want. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that part of what I was doing was kind of like, oh, sure, we could do this. You know, it was kind of accommodating, right? It's like there's a lot of shadow work there because I wasn't really standing firm in myself until I started doing some work and realized maybe I didn't value myself, right? Maybe I... Mm -hmm had like parts of me that were rejecting who I was that made it really difficult to actually come in and say, I don't want this. And this is difficult. So that's, you know, one thing that stands out for me. And I've seen that that's also. With- actually, if, if, yeah. if we can, let, let, let's stay on that since we are kind yeah. of, you know, uh, limited on time. So let's stay, yeah, let's yeah. stay on that. Um, and like immediately the question that I have for that is, well, at what point do I say, well, this is what's good for me. This is what I want. Uh, you know, partner, I need you to pay more attention to me because I'm hurting. Mm. At, at what point do we find that balance between my partner needs to pay attention to me versus I need to give my partner freedom? Like whose responsibility is it really? Is it my responsibility to do the shadow work and, mm-hmm. you know, figure out how to get those needs fulfilled or do I actually have to call on my partner and say, Hey, look, this isn't working for whatever reason. And we need to scale back and just be monogamous again. How do you, how do we make that decision? How do we make that, that distinction? That's a really great question. Um, And I I think that's a difficult one. And I would say that it's, it's a both and Mm -hmm. because sometimes I I feel like it, it can feel a bit, narcissistic also at times you know to the pursuit of what i want and what feels good for me especially when it comes to partnership you know i think it's Mm -hmm. a both and where absolutely i agree with you there has to be your own work your own shadow work that's necessary and that's kind of my bottom line is that both people really need to do that work um and I do believe, I do believe that in order to have a partnership, there is like a balance of sacrifice. You know, there's a lot of sacrifice that I do in order to be in the relationship. And I think that asking a, your partner of that, uh, you know, sacrifice is not easy. But I do believe that in order to have a sustainable relationship, there has to be some of that. And I think mm-hmm. that we all come from a time where, you know, we kind of have seen like the the negative version of that, you know, with our moms and dads, where the sacrifice really meant not having your autonomy in your life, you know, it meant, especially for women, you know, certain things about sacrifice. So that's not the paradigm I'm coming from. I think I hold a different kind of paradigm that's more kind of sacred. You know, it's like being of service kind of sacrifice that sometimes you do say, hey, you know what, I know that this is really not your ideal, but this is what I need, not Mm -hmm. for you to fix my issues, but for me to stand firm in in my value to say, come stand with me. So I think, again, it's a both and sort of thing, because that's going to look very different for each person, right? Yeah. 
the uh, the word that comes to mind as you're describing all of this is hierarchy. And we mm. you mentioned it. We talked a little bit about it. Um, are you of the opinion that hierarchy is inherent in polyamory? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think that I know there's a lot of relationship anarchists, you know, people uh -huh. who are really interested in not having the hierarchy and really interested in, you know, again, what I and we both really fell in love with, which is the loving more, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the more it is kind of, you can be so in love and so connected to one person and then another person, you can be so in love and so connected to them. And there is no hierarchy, you know, that is beautiful, you know, cause it just kind of shows that you're in this divine love connection, right? Love has no form. It's just kind of channeling through you. So again, I, I love that. That's in the ideal. Right. When it comes to the practice, <laughs> mm -hmm. two different things, at least very different things. But again, it, we came at it from a particular model, which is not what everyone's going to do. Ours right. was we're married, we have kids, you know, you're my king, I'm your queen. Like, we did have a hierarchy, you know, okay. we even use those terms. Like, there was this sense of like our relationship does come first, okay, and then you know. From there, you know, I think that it it does it is interesting because what does that mean for other people and the vetoing and their mm -hmm. their importance and you know like that model I would say was you know it was challenging to kind of keep that within all of this for us at least for sure yeah and there's I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with a hierarchical model right I think that especially like what you were talking about you're you're married you have kids you share finances potentially had home together you know all of these different things yeah that you know it carries weight yeah right? whether people want to admit it or not like that that stuff carries weight mm -hmm. and so to say you know i that we need to protect this this relationship uh it's in a lot of ways self-preservation too yeah right so so i don't necessarily think that there's anything inherently wrong with uh, a hierarchical model but i think that if there how do i i, I guess like what i'm trying to th what i'm thinking is that if there is that hierarchy then uh then it causes its own set of problems in polyamory like what you were talking yeah. about with making sure that there's enough time for all of these different things which again yeah. I, you kind of expect if you've got kids you got to make time for your kids like you, you got to do it that doesn't matter how many partners you have like these are your kids <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly yeah so very cool very cool the other thing that you said was uh polyamory potentially requires a therapist or a coach Tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I I think that um, honestly, it can be done. It could be a lot of fun. I know a lot of people, are, you know, have a lot of fun with it. But to do it well, in my opinion, I think that you know you need to know about your trauma. Mm -hmm. You need to know about you know. Um, you need to be conscious of what you might be playing out 
as opposed to stepping into consciously. Okay. Um, I think that there is some need to really look at attachment because I've seen both for myself as well as, as well as clients, pretty severe, you know, abandonment crises, mm -hmm. um, a lot of pain, um, really kind of losing it and having a really hard time and just being so triggered um, because of unresolved and uninvestigated um, attachment wounds. And so I think that the more that people can know about it and not only know about it, but again, I loved what you were saying, like know how to work with it. Like it really is up to you to find that center and that healing and the resource, like, all of that stuff doesn't come inherently to us, right? Oh, sure. Sometimes we get, woof, <laughs> we get the overwhelm, but then we're like, what the hell do I do with this? And ideally a therapist is going to be, okay, great. So this is a part of you, mm -hmm. but what about this other part, you know, that is resource and is okay. Can we have that available? So I think that with guidance, people can absolutely find tools of how to really center. And again, to come back full circle to, you know, my love polyamory, when it's done in a, you know, I love using tarot archetypes and the magician always comes to me, right? That when it's done in a magicianly kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like, I have strength, I have consciousness, I have power, I have choice. And I'm the one that's in charge of knowing how to use that, right? So when, it, when there is someone that can help you with it, it could be done really well. And without it, it could be, it could be very hurtful to you and others. I think that we've left a, a trail of people who were hurt because we For weren't sure. really thinking about that. And I don't think that's fair to a lot of people who enter into this. For sure. And as you were saying that uh, the abandonment, the pain, the attachment wounds, all of these things, uh, you know, the clients that you deal with, the question that popped into my mind was, isn't that true of any relationship that someone might get into? I mean, is it any harder to, or, or is it any more required to get into a poly relationship for somebody who's dealing with these deep abandonment or, or attachment wounds? Or should they be doing that for any relationship? I mean, it feels yes, like it doesn't, yes, it doesn't and. matter to me. Yes. And <laughs> I love great it. Great answer. answer great answer. <laughs> I mean, I agree absolutely with you that everyone is going to encounter that in any relationship, even like monogamous, you know, safe relationships, that shit's going to happen. So people need that in general. So that's mm -hmm. period. I will argue though, that when you are inviting in more people into your world, I think it's even more necessary because there's something about the container, even though again, it's broken, people cheat and divorce the container of the choice of marriage. When you're opening it and you're bringing in other people's psyches, other people's traumas, other people's projections, other people's needs, other people's energy, that's a whole hot house of other right. people that are intentionally being brought in. I, I believe that's a very different animal that mm -hmm. absolutely needs some containment or else it can really blow up, I think. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I was just I was just asking because it's like, yeah, well, somebody's hurting like that. It doesn't matter what kind of a relationship they're in. They probably need some help That's true. regardless. But when you Agreed. talk about, you know, other people being added on top of just the one relationship, 
yeah, absolutely. Then it just complicates it even further. And, uh, you know, we go from there. Maya, uh, we're running low on time here, running short on yeah. time. Uh, so I know we could talk for hours about all this. Yeah. Stuff. It's been such a great <laughs> conversation already. Uh, is there anything that I missed? Is there anything that you wish that I would have asked you uh, or some final thoughts that you might want to leave with our audience today? No, I mean, I think that we covered it and it was a short amount of time. I think we covered a lot. Um, I, again, I think that this is just kind of like a, an encouragement and a support for this journey can be so enriching and it's always good to have like the right um, mentor mm -hmm. <laughs> to help you do it well. And um, yeah, and that's, that's pretty much it. And I love this community. I love being a part of it. I'm so grateful that it, that it exists because it holds such um, courage and playfulness and deliciousness and so much that I really love. So. I love it. I Thank you. And say. if anybody from the community wanted to get in touch with you, talk with you, maybe make yeah. an appointment, what's the best way, Absolutely. especially for our listening audience, because not everybody yes. can see the video. Absolutely. So um, you could always reach me through my website, which is mayalane.net, M-A-Y-A-L-A-N-E.net. And you could always check in with me and I would love to even, you know, well, I wouldn't say I'd love to chat with everyone because I'm pretty busy, but you know, it would be great to hear from people and any questions people have. And if you're ever interested in having a session, I would, I'm honored to work with people on this journey. Perfect. Okay. Maya, again, <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much for uh, hanging out with me. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And Absolutely. thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in. Robbie, thanks so much for saying hi, leaving a comment. Hello. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time. Sorry, today we started a little early, but set that reminder, set that bell so you know if we start early or have an extra day on a, on a Thursday. Or sign up for Patreon. You'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast. If you haven't already, please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That's all we've got for you all today. Thank you so much. And as always, until tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.